Great. Well, it's a real privilege to, to be here and to be part of this and to see what God's doing. And um, yeah, there was a word that came through from Rana um, uh, Jones in Abu Dhabi, which Lynn just kind of pointed out to me uh, just before I got up here. So I'd like to just share that because uh, this morning I woke up with two words. It kind of came out of our prayer time. Um, we were praying as a team last night, continental shift. And uh, yeah, I believe that what God is doing, wanting to do further at this time is, is uh, very significant in terms of what he wants to do in this continent of Europe and shift things in hearts and lives, in families, in churches, in cities, and kind of just the increasing circles of God's glory going out from where we are in Europe to the regions around us. So... Um, This is what Rana says, as I ask the Holy Spirit, I see tongues of fire on people, God igniting a fire in their hearts, but also coming upon them with the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a new birth in people, a new fire, a sense of shifting, there's a kind of word, of hearts and minds, shifting of old belief systems and the pursuing of the Lord with a new boldness and intimacy. Out of the meeting, I sense there will be catalytic, catalytic moments and people that will become fire starters in their own sphere of influence. I see, see a, a giant angel with a sword commissioning people and laying hands on their heads to impart kingdom strategies for years to come. I hope this all makes sense, just being obedient and, and wanting to step out in what God was saying to me. And that really resonated with me, and I'd like to give opportunity, hopefully, uh, for about five minutes or so at the end of what I'm going to share uh, today, to just maybe just kind of give God opportunity to work in that way amongst us in terms of some interactive ministry. Um, but how do, we, how do you reach a, a city and a nation? How do you um, eat an elephant one bite at a time, somebody said. How do you reach a city and a nation one life at a time? Seeing transformation of lives one life at a time. And I want to talk about um, discipleship this morning in terms of um, establishing closer discipleship relationships in the gospel uh, in our churches, in, in, from family to local church and beyond. Um, and we're going to look at Paul's relationship with Timothy uh, just now. Um, but Lynn and I, uh, my, my wife Lynn, uh, and I, we have the privilege of leading a church in Edinburgh. And we've realized in the last number of years, as we kind of go towards uh, 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 twilight years, if you like, in our, in our lives, there's no retirement in the kingdom, but we've realized that we've had to make certain adjustments. And I think COVID has, has accelerated that realization in our thinking, adjustments in our thinking, in our scheduling, in our priorities, in our training, in our outlook. Uh, to make discipleship uh, more and more uh, of the primary aspect of what we are being and doing. Uh, and I want to just, just kick off with a, a definition of what is a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Uh, a disciple is someone who is called by Jesus to be with Jesus and other Christ followers, to learn from Jesus in community with other followers, to become like Jesus, and to continue the ministry and mission of Jesus. When Buddha was dying, his followers asked him how they should remember him, follow his, follow his ways. And he said, don't look to me, just remember what I instructed you. 
But with Jesus, it's altogether different. It's all centered on his person, on his presence, on his power, as, as Tyron's just been describing. It's a direct call. Jesus take the initi- takes the initiative to call us to follow him. Uh, we don't come, up, come into the kingdom on his terms. We, we bow the knee to him. It's a primary and a new allegiance. It's embracing a new adventure where he takes us to. It's letting him take the lead and follow in his footsteps, as Andre was describing on the incredible adventure that they're embarking on into, into Malta. And, and so it's the presence and the, and the transforming power of Jesus. Even when Jesus gave that great commission, he said, All authority I give to you. Um, and he gave that clear commission And he said, but I will be your constant companion. I am with you always. And just the presence of the power of Jesus. And so making disciples begins by being one. We can only minister life as we're in the presence of Jesus, pressing into more of Jesus. And we can only make apprenticeships, apprentices, lovers and followers of Jesus as we are growing in that ourselves. So I want to look at... How do we make that come about? How do we um, raise sons and daughters uh, in, in the Lord, uh, in local churches and beyond? I'm going to look at Paul's relationship with Timothy. So I want to read two scriptures, Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 19 to 24. And then we're going to go to the first three verses of Acts chapter 16. Paul says this, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that also I may be encouraged when I know your state. He's writing from a a prison cell here in lockdown, as we heard from Steve, and yet he's full of Jesus. And Timothy's with him, and he's writing to a church that he planted 14 years earlier. And he says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. And then Acts chapter 16, uh, we have the account of where uh, Paul... um, comes on his second apostolic journey. In Acts 14, he's met um, Timothy for the first time. Most likely, most commentators say that in Acts 14, when Paul went on his first apostolic journey, Timothy was saved. Uh, At that stage, he was a young man uh, of about 24 years of age. Paul was about double his age, 48. And four years later, he comes back to this same region. And so it says, when, when Paul came to Derby and Lystra, A certain disciple, there's the word, was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek, and by implication, his father was an unbeliever. He was well spoken of by the brothers who were at Lystra and Iconium, two locations. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was an unbeliever or a Greek. And in verse 5 it says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. And so what we have here is that when Timothy got saved those four years early, he plugged into those vibrant churches that had been planted. 
and you know, submitted his life, got involved in, in the local church. He was a reliable, uh, consistent guy in the church. He built up a track record with those elders. Um, he was growing his passion for Jesus Christ. And, um, and then Paul comes along, having heard of that track, track record, and says, I want to take him with me. I, I, I see something in him, and I want to uh, let him loose and let something of what, what, what in, his, in his life loose in regions beyond. And um, he's sent well. If you, if you read the, uh, the letters, first and two Timothy, we, we see that he's sent with prophetic words. There's a yes from the eldership team. There's a yes from uh, uh, the apostolic team that Paul was leading. And there's prophetic words and there's an anointing and just a release. Um, and for me, it's a great picture of what God is wanting to do in the, in the, the season and in the time that we're living in. Just raising up young guys in Europe. Um, and I think for us in the UK, um, as God brings people in from other nations, uh, we've been around in Edinburgh for about 17 years now, and our desire, and we're starting to see something in the UK, is to see people being raised up indigenous, indigenously in the UK in bases, and then walking into the fullness of what God has for them and influencing a broader region. So how do we raise up um, strong, dynamic sons in the gospel? Firstly, through insight and invitation. Insight and invitation. Paul opened the door and Tim walked through it. Paul saw something in Timothy's life. He sees the potential uh, and he looks beyond the deficiencies or the, the problems with his natural father and he sees something of the character, the potential, the future. And that's exactly how Jesus raised and called disciples. I don't know if you notice that in terms of the Gospels. He saw Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. A despised man uh, he, he, by the Romans, and he was kind of also hated by the Jews for what he was doing. But he see, sees through the wrapping. He sees through the challenge. He sees through the problems. And he sees a man with an eye for detail, uh, somebody who's, gonna, who's got a, a Jewish heritage. And he sees somebody who's ultimately going to have a huge impact into the, into the future. And he calls him. He sees. He speaks. And with a short, within a short space of time, he's sitting with his mates having a party. And there's an influence that's starting to go out through Matthew's life. What are we seeing in people? Are we seeing uh, and, and the gold? Or are we seeing the dirt? Are we seeing the obstacle? Are we seeing the opportunity? Are we seeing the giants? Are we seeing the grapes? Are we seeing the difficulty? Or are we seeing the grace of God to unlock people's lives, to release people into freedom, and to fulfill a purpose? that God has for them in this life that's going to have ramifications for generations to come. Um, I remember a young guy when we led the church in Springs in South Africa. Um, his name was Kurt. He got saved when he was 18. And um, yeah, his, we could see a future for him and a potential in him, but his dad was a bit of a high flyer and he wanted to, him to learn a trade and, and kind of go and do something with his life in terms of business. But he tried all kinds of trades and nothing worked out. So he sent him away from Springs, uh, down to actually near where Craig and Colette led a church at that time in Margate in the south, south of South Africa, near the south coast. And I remember Lynn and I were on a ministry trip in that area. Uh, this is some 20 years ago. And we were ministering another church in Scottborough. And Craig gave us an invitation to come through in the evening to the church at Margate. And... Um, we almost didn't get there, but we, did, we, we arrived there, and, and, and Kurt was there. And I, 
I had a chat with him, and I could see he was unsatisfied, he was unhappy, he was not enjoying what he was doing. And I just felt in that moment, God spoke to me, invite him back to Springs, open the door for him to come into the life of the church, uh, employ him full-time on staff, and, and let me release something through his life uh, in terms of his calling and his destiny. Uh, there was one problem, a bit like with Timothy, uh, and it was his dad. <laughs> his, dad, his dad was unsaved, and what would he think of this whole uh, opportunity and plan? So Kirk came back. We put a plan together in terms of study for a year, uh, going into the schools in terms of doing evangelism and mission, and uh, leading our young people's ministry. And we kind of put it all together, went around to see his dad, and uh, sat down with his dad and handed over the kind of the plan for the year. And he says, oh, this looks organized. Let's do it. To our amazement, he just said, gave it uh, a yes. And yeah, there was just an, an unfolding of an incredible journey with Kurt. And I'm saying that not to look back over 20 years, because it's a current testimony that 20 years later, uh, he's, he, he, he planted out a church from that church in Springs. He married a wonderful girl who was part of our team at that stage, who we knew very well. And he's, he's now... Others who were with him in that phase in Springs have also gone on to eldership, leading worship in churches, and also planning churches. And, but it, that's wonderful yeah, to hear as well, Eddie. Yeah, and it's, but it began with a moment. And it was kind of a, a defining moment that left, led to a creative momentum in his life, in the life of our church, and has gone to regions beyond. And I want to encourage us in this time, in, in terms of the prayer meeting that was coming out yesterday, um, Chanel had a word about dates, um, design, and destiny. And um, uh, uh, Laura had, had a word about a timeline of yeah, defining moments that lead to creative momentum. To be expectant in this time and to be expectant as we go back into our churches, to, to, to ask God to give us eyes to see, show us what you are seeing in people and to open doors in accordance with what we see and release them into their future. Proverbs 22 and verse 8 in the Amplified Bible says, Train up in a child in the way he should go, in keeping with his individual gifting or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's true for a child and it's true for every saint. God has created us and wired us for a particular uh, destiny. He's designed us with a DNA to fulfill a particular purpose. We are made with a mission in mind, and our uh, privilege and responsibility as leaders, is, like Jesus did with his disciples, is to see into people's lives and to release them into the fullness of the destiny that, 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 that God has for them, to see beyond the, the wrappings, beyond the challenges, beyond the difficulties, and walk the journey with them in, and open doors in accordance with what they see so that they, they can fly into their future. Secondly, inspiration. Inspiration. Paul um, raised Timothy through constant affirmation and encouragement. And we see that throughout his letters to Timothy. Which, uh, and, and keep in mind here that I mentioned that Timothy was about 24 years old when he got saved. By the time Paul writes his letters to him in First and Second Timothy, Second Timothy is the last 
uh, letter that Paul writes from prison in the New Testament. Paul's around 65. Timothy's around 40 years old. He's not a teenager. Um, so when Paul says, let no one despise your youth, he's not in his teens at this stage. He's about 40 years old. He's saying, you're young to be doing what you are doing. Uh, a pastor in that city, uh, an apostolic guy who's going to actually take on something of my man- mantle. But don't step back. Step into the fullness of what God has for you. You're going to face many challenges as we face in this season of COVID. Many obstacles. I mean, <laughs> Steve's letter was, an, am- uh, was, it was a, an amazing example of opposition you know, within the church. And there's, ch- there's opposition without the church. There's opposition in our culture that seeks to dumb down Jesus. But Paul says to Timothy, step up, Tim. Step up into your calling. And so here's a couple of examples. God has, met, God has not given you a spirit of fear, he says to him, but a spirit of power and love and soundness of mind. Fan into flame the gift of God in you through the laying on of my, uh, laying on of my hands. He's saying... Remember the prophecies that I've spoken to you, that by them you might wage a good warfare. What is he saying to his son here? Activate the life of God in you. Activate it in you and, re- and release it. Don't, don't let it lie dormant. Friends, the devil can't take the gift of the Holy Spirit from us. But it can lie dormant if we don't activate the life of God in us. And we need to be activating and having an ongoing appetite and attitude that says, yeah, I want to walk into all that God has for me. So, so he encourages his son to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And um, I want to encourage us today. That, I mean, during COVID, I think one of the, one of the things that's really, uh, there's two things that have really strengthened me as a leader, and I've seen strengthening others. The first is prayer. I'm not going to dwell too much on that because Ty's covered that quite extensively. But time and time again, uh, I've had that kind of gunpowder soup moment. And what was the other thing? Tiger steaks. Tiger steaks uh, as others have prayed for me, whether it's been my wife or my leaders uh, over Zoom. Uh, God's not limited by uh, space-time technology, the power of prayer. Um, but the other thing is just the thing of inspiration. Uh, and I remember my daughter, Jenny, who's 28, uh, during that time of COVID, she would send scriptures, she would send voice notes to people uh, in the church on various occasions. And a couple are on eldership with us, Danny um, and Amelia. She sent a voice note with a scripture uh, one day. And um, what she didn't know, that he just had news that she had lo- he had lost his sister, uh, in Zimbabwe and uh, tragically died and so there was a message that came and he said it, he, he, in, in, through the pain, through the tears he listened to that message, that scripture time and time and time again and it enabled him over a period of two weeks just to come through the power of encouragement and putting courage into people's souls there's a lady in our church, her name's Elisa uh, she's around 40 and been with us a couple of years. She's Italian background. And she phoned me one day. Lynn and I were actually down in, in the south of England. Lynn's mum had died uh, during the COVID period, uh, sadly, uh, and after a kind of battle with dementia. So we were down in the south of England. She didn't know that. She thought I was local and said, Malcolm, can you come and pray with me? There's a guy in hospital who is on, at death's door. He's 70 years old. His name is Dario. 
He's got no next of kin in Edinburgh, uh, I'm, but I'm, the family see me as the, as the friend that is nearest and dearest to him, and, and I know him well, so I'm kind of the next of kin by proxy. Um, but I'm, I'm out of my depth here. Uh, can you come and pray? I said, actually, Elisa, I can't. We're, we're down in the south of England. Actually, I wouldn't be able to get in the hospital anyway with the COVID regulations. But here's the thing. I said to her, you're a priest. They don't need a priest other than yourself. You have the same anointing that I have on my life. The Holy Spirit is within you. Um, it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power, the same presence. You, you go, you, you step out. She said to me, but he's been anti-God all his life. He's resisted the gospel all his life. He gets angry at Christians. I said, well, just trust God. Yeah, he's on, he's on the edge of that rope. He's on the edge of eternity. He's coming to the edge of his little white space. This is his moment. And anyway, to cut a long story short, she's driving along the M8 to, to uh, this hospital and she just puts out her fleece and said, God, if you wanted me to speak to him, let it rain. It's like a, a, a bright blue sky. And so within a minute, the, the, rain, the rain is pouring out of the sky. And she can't differentiate between the, the, the water on the windscreen, the tears in her eyes. She goes into the hospital and she does something I never would have done. <laughs> she, she plays him a, a, a music track from Stormzy. Uh, which, which is, I don't know if you know Stormzy. They're a kind of pop, pop group in the UK. But blinded by your grace, and actually the words are pretty good. Not, they're, they're, you know, they're not, they're not far off. And um, but, and it unlocks something in his heart. And this guy who's got cancer of the throat, cancer of the mouth, and can't actually communicate, he just start, the tears just start to flow. This hardened man, who's been resistant to the gospel for seventy years, comes to the Lord. And for three weeks, the Lord keeps him alive. She takes in a Bible, starts to read his Bible, and every time before she, le she leaves, uh, he says, please pray for me, in the way that he can. Yeah. Gets hold of her hand. And so, friends, I want to encourage us. Yeah, to, uh, we need to keep encouraging one another. We need to be encouraging the saints to mobilize. See, discipleship is about mobilizing people. You know, to realize that actually we're all on the same level. We're serving one king. He's called us all to follow him with a passion and a pursuit and to release something of that more uh, amongst the saints. The third thing is impartation. Impartation. Paul and Timothy invested time together and Tim caught Paul's heart over about a 13, 14-year period. Um, in all the ups and downs of life that Paul faced, and we've heard a few of them already this morning in terms of shipwreck and stoning and imprisonment, he observed his attitudes, he saw his responses, he imbibed his values. In short, he saw that, that, that Paul felt and, and, and had a passion for Jesus Christ. He saw, he felt, and he caught Paul's passion and heart for Jesus. So that such, in such a way that Paul said, I have no one like-minded, like Tim. And that word in the Greek is isosukos. In other words, he is the one who's closest to me. He's on the same page. He picks up my heart. And um, yeah, no one does it quicker than Tim because he'd been with him. There was an impartation. A father reproduces what he is. Not what he says what he is. Not what he projects what he is. Um, not what he thinks what he is, but what he actually is. Scary thought for us as dads. Yeah, we, we reproduce what we are. 
But actually, that is discipleship. As we imbibe Jesus, as we get stronger in the Word, as we commit our lives to Him, as we submit our lives to Him, as we humble ourselves before Him, as we are teachable and open to other, the input of others, as we are following others as they follow Christ, so we grow in Him and, the, and what comes out of us is something of Jesus to others. Four abilities that are, that are critical in terms of impartation. I'm just going to give them to you quickly. Availability, accessibility, flexibility, and vulnerability. We could also throw in, for good measure, teachability. Um, but certainly, availability. Discipleship requires an intentional investment of time. It's hard yards. You know, it's like, discipleship's like raising kids. You know, a child doesn't pop out of the womb one day and go to university the next. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. It requires years of investing to unlock, unlock the, the, what God's put into a child. It's an 18 to 20 year project of a book that needs to be read, as well as a story that needs to be written. We need to see what God's put into that child, that way, the way that they're wired, and then uh, invest into it, invest in it financially, invest in it with energy, invest in it with time. And that requires availability. And it's the same with the saints in our local churches. It requires an investment of time. We had a couple um, who've been in the church about three years now, an Indian couple. And they asked if, we, if Lynn and I could do some marriage stuff with them. Um, yeah, dur- during lockdown. Yeah? yeah, that's right. It was during lockdown. So we, everything was online. Um, and we ended up doing a, um, a course called Freedom in Christ. We felt that was more appropriate for them because marriage is not so much finding the right person, but, but being the right person, like discipleship. And so we felt God wanted to work on their being in order to understand how, they could, how to communicate better to each other and get more of Jesus into their lives. And so we took them through this Freedom in Christ course, and, and what was great was the format was kind of 20-minute bite-sized presentations and then kind of 20-minute engagement together. So what it did was, over a 13-week period, which is about a quarter of a year, on a Friday night, uh, that's where flexibility comes in. That wouldn't have been the night we would have chosen. Yeah, Lynn works in our church cafe for eight hours on a Friday, and the cafe was open for certain parts of that period. But uh, it, wasn't the, it wouldn't be the, the natural choice for us Friday night, but it worked for them. They've got two kids. They leave busy lives. They were both working from home at that stage, so we adjusted, of course. And, but over that period, we just saw yeah, a bonding take place with Jesus, with us, and out of that availability came a vulnerability. And hearts were opened. Shifts started to take, in terms of, take place in terms of attitudes on, them, on the inside, which started to change their relationship with each other. And the outworking of that is that uh, he got baptized um, six months ago, thereabouts, five months ago, uh, when we came out of lockdown. Uh, got baptized with two other people uh, who got saved in that period, which is wonderful. And... Um, yeah, just the, the and, and, and further to that, they've opened up their new home, which they've bought on the south side of Edinburgh for a home group. And you arrive there on a Thursday night now. It's been going for a couple of months. Lynn and I have got the privilege of leading that group. We've handed over the one that we were leading. And, you know, the laptop's open. The worship, group, worship songs are ready. 
The kids are in bed, and they're six and nine years old, thereabouts. Uh, the kids are in bed. Um, uh, they've printed out the notes from Sunday's preach with the application questions, and it's like, we're, we're really enjoying this. You know, it's kind of, these guys are caught it, but where did they catch it? It was an investment of time. Yeah, and so God's really been challenging on that. It, it, there's, no, there's no easy way to disciple. It's like raising kids. It's hard work, but the fruit is amazing. Uh, in that phase, I mentioned that there was another lady that got baptized in June, newly saved Scottish person. Um, and um, we, we've seen two ladies saved recently, who, um, one, one, one in, the, uh, in an Alpha Online course that took place from kind of April through May. And the same kind of thing happened. We're talking about availability. It was a 10-week course. Availability of time accessibility, flexibility, and an incredible vulnerability online. Um, people were sharing their hearts, uh, kind of week two, week three, just things that, yeah, the baggage they've been carrying for years. Now, this is a lady who doesn't know Jesus, never heard of Jesus, lived in Edinburgh 30-plus years, never read a Bible, never heard of Jesus other than a swear word, and she starts to open her heart to people who have invited her, opened the door to her, she's come in and... It's an amazing thing. So I want to encourage us with that in this season and going forward, whether it's online or in person, and in person is much better. Um, invest the time. Invest the time and you see the fruit. The fourth thing is imitation. Imitation. Paul led by example and Tim followed in his ways. Um, Christ was Timothy's ultimate example. But he was with someone who lived, breathed, ate, and slept Jesus. And who said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, images impact. And, um, you know, that's why advertising companies spend thousands and thousands of euros on images all the time on our TV screens. But 3D impacts even more than 2D. And your example and my example is the ultimate impact on people's lives. Uh, for parents with children, for leaders with, with those who we have the privilege of leading in our churches. And, and so, Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, A righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. And just the value of integrity. Integrity means I am who I am, wherever I am, whoever I am with. And just that thing of being consistent. Consistent. Uh, Lynn's dad is one of my heroes. He's 80, 87 now. I mentioned earlier that he lost his wife uh, earlier in the year to, to um, cancer and after a decline with dementia. A very difficult period having been married for 62 years. Uh, but just 10 years ago, in their 70s, they were leading a home group that multiplied twice. And just this, picking up on what Steve was saying, being consistent over time. You know, when we think of the word um, ruler, um, Hebrews 13 and verses 7 and 8 um, says this, remember those who rule over you or who lead you, who have spoken the word of God to you. Tyron spoke about that. Who, but it says, whose faith follow. Yeah? Not follow just what they're saying. They, people follow what, we are, what we're doing. They follow our life. They follow the pattern of our lives. Considering the outcome of their conduct or their fruit, 
And then he says, Jesus Christ is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and eternally forever. In other words, there's a, the Message Bible says, appreciate your pastoral leaders and let their faithfulness as well as their truthfulness instruct you because there should be a consistency that runs through us all. So rulers are not just, in, in, in English, that rulers are not just people who wear crowns. Rulers, you get those straight line rulers. Yeah, le- ru- rulers that are level, that, that you can measure things live. And that, that's the kind of rulers that God's wanting in churches. Leaders on the level, flatline leaders, that you can measure your life against, who, and people who are consistent in their walk. Consistent in private, consistent in public, consistent when they're behind the pulpit, what you see is what you get. You know, and just... Yeah, people are drawn to the authentic, and when they see that, because it reflects a God who is faithful and consistent, who doesn't change. So do we have a faith that's worth imitating, a joy that's worth imitating, a passion that's worth imitating? You know, we're keeping our leadership on the level, you know, because people are looking for credible leaders, not just incredible ones. A credibility that's built over time. I think most of us who've been in Europe a while recognize that credibility takes time to establish. Uh, authenticity is seen over time. And um, I remember in our early years in Edinburgh, I mean, we had the privilege of um, having people through our home in, uh, over many years in South Africa and also in Edinburgh, guys on, on the, the wider team that we partner with. And so our children from a young age learned to hand over their bedroom to others to come and sleep in their bedroom, sleep in the lounge, get a sleeping bag or whatever the case may be. But they loved it. They loved the adventure of that. They loved having people through our home. They would say, when's the next person coming? Who's coming for a meal tomorrow night? You know, That was their, their lifestyle, you know. And um, they picked up stories of a big God with big plans for a big world who's on a big adventure. And that set them up for success as part of this generation coming through from when we moved from South Africa to Edinburgh. And I remember walking back fairly early on in our church planting journey in Edinburgh with my seven-year-old at that stage, Lorna. And she was holding me by the hand. It was dark. It was night. It was a winter's evening, kind of November. We were walking back from a home group. And we walked past the school where... God had opened up a door for them to go into this primary school. We, we arrived in this location. We didn't know which school that they would be going to, but we wanted them to go to this particular school. And as we walked past, I'd forgotten about it. As we walked past this railing, she, said, she tugged me on the hand. He said, Dad, Dad, do you remember how we took all of these railings? Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I need some water. <coughs> That's better. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The unfizzy stuff. Let's try that again. Dad, you remember how we took hold of these railings and we asked Jesus to give us a place at this school. And she's looking up at me and said, I do. Yeah, isn't God good? Yeah. And we carried on walking. See... They were living the adventure. It was part of them. They'd seen a faith worth imitating by people who'd come through our house over many years and being part of a household of faith in the church. And they embraced the adventure. They came with us on it. 
and the rest, as they say, is history. They, a number of years after that, 2013, they were sitting with a young eldership couple, that, a couple that had come onto eldership with us, and they were praying about the next generation in beyond the UK, even into Europe. I was just praying. They had a dream, uh, this, this young eldership couple, Sean and Mary Lee. And they started to pray into it. And um, yeah, Jenny and Lorna, Jenny was about 20 then, and Lorna's about 16. And they, and they really caught this thing. There was something that was imparted. They saw something of the passion uh, in this couple's life that was worth following. And out of that, um, we started to host a... Um, an annual youth event for guys to come in Europe, which some of the guys have come from, Germany, France, Holland, etc., Poland, over the years, some of you here today. And, yeah, just, but the outworking of that was, yeah, the next generation catching the heart of those going before them. And I want to encourage us with that again today, that God's got more for the younger generation. God's got more for us to break open in Europe together in terms of shifting things in hearts and lives and in our continent. And the, f- the final thing is, number five, is we raise up sons in the Lord through instruction. I've left that to the end. It's kind of the obvious one, and it's very important, and Tyron's highlighted the importance of the Word of God. And um, discipleship includes systematic, definite, directive instruction. Jesus gave clear instructions, commands to his disciples when he sent them out. He didn't leave things to chance. And when he commissioned them, he said, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So Paul's, Paul's letters are full of commands, charges, exhortations to Tim as an apostolic guy overseeing churches in Ephesus and, and beyond as he goes into his future and says, guard the gospel, teach sound doctrine, hold fast the pattern of sound teaching. Um, that Paul had taught him. I um, just had a conversation with somebody in the break where they're facing some challenges in a local church where, yeah, sound doctrine again is being challenged by an unlikely source. Yeah, and, 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 you know, in the season and times that we're living in, yeah, uh, we need to be standing and rooted in the Word of God. And I want to maybe throw this out in terms of actually being creative and being and partnering more in, in, in our continent, in our region, is the things that have worked well for you in Holland, in France, in Germany. Uh, I mean, I look at Eddie and I look at Rob and, and, and others, and many others in this room, who've been here for decades um, in terms of is, establishing, discipling new believers, uh, discipleship ways. Discipleship's not a course or a formula. It's actually centered around Jesus, but, it, but, but we disciple him from the word, and there's creative ways of discipling, and we can learn from one another. We can grow together. Maybe there's age-specific discipling for children, for teenagers, for young adults, things that, that have been helpful, and it'd be good to in, in, increase and engage in that conversation so that we can actually help one another, partner with one another, strengthen those partnerships to go forward. Um, Jesus is striding out into the nations. Jesus is moving into the nations. Jesus is actually, uh, the gospel is growing and, uh, uh, and, and he's calling us. It's a big call, but uh, it it's sometimes feels tough. It's hard yards to disciple people. It requires an investment of time. But Paul says, this is my aim. In, in Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29, this is my aim to present every man mature in Christ. 
And I, and I strive towards that end. And God empowers me, empowers me through the Holy Spirit for that task. And may he empower us, may he strengthen us. May this be a time of defining moments that, that create definite momentum for you. Uh, may, may God bring fresh vision so that you can see in, 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 into people's lives in fresh ways, open doors, and leash them into their future and uh, be an example that they can follow that's worth imitating and uh, taking people into their future.